Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are my friends Zach and Vince. And we have a bonus friend tonight, the winner of the first annual DC3 Fuck a Fan contest, Walter Richardson. Hi, Walt. Right. Reigning champ. <laughs> back at it again. How oh, are you, buddy? Nailed the callback. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you remembered that. I, I think about that more than I should, probably. That made me laugh so hard. Uh, so anyway, Walter, as many folks know, is the co-host of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast with our boy Zach and his wife, Emily. And um, before we even really started doing this uh, crisis management series, we were just going to do like the seven DC crises. And Walt had reached out to us and said, you guys should talk about Death of the New Gods and I should come on to talk about it. And so this is... We've, we've is had that this... exactly how it happened? Yeah. Yes, it is. I, I thought that you guys said you were going... You guys already said you were going to talk about Death of no. the New Gods. No. Oh, okay. You're the one who pitched this to us, so... You you essentially made us cover now every single event. <laughs> we had to retroactively insert all these in. And... and And this basically really doesn't deserve to be on that list, as we'll get into. <laughs> <laughs> Probably less than, like, anything else that you've spoken about <laughs> uh, let's see. i don't think that's true yeah, well, there's a talk... book there's a book that this story references that we read that <laughs> is less worthy of this yeah yeah oh right i forgot about the genesis reference yeah, yeah genesis is, is is pretty bad um but for, except but it, it's it, one of the only events that has electric blue superman in it yes that is true and it's bad for totally different reasons than this is bad um, yeah which we'll get to in a few minutes. But so, Walt, what is it about this book that made you pitch us to do a podcast about it? <laughs> well, I believe I pitched that while I was either in the middle of reading Countdown. I, 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 no, I believe that was the case. I was reading Countdown. You guys did the Cosmic Odyssey thing. I was like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to, you know. My point is I was delirious. Okay. Time, probably. <laughs> um but I do think it is interesting in that, like, thinking about just the mess of superhero comics. So, Death of the New Gods is a sort of, at least nominal, prequel to the events of Final Crisis. You know, those who have read Final Crisis will know it begins with, the New Gods are dead. Um... Countdown was supposed to lead into this, but Countdown, as has been discussed on the previous few episodes of this podcast, didn't quite do that. Um, neither does this. And so it's just like a weird thing of, if, if I remember correctly, Morrison has said um, that, you know, he just wanted to start with the new gods are dead. We don't really need a story about why, but DC, of course, is like, no, we can't leave any story untold that we could tell and you know sell comics for and so this came about and it's it's just like a a huge mess between this countdown neither of them lining up with each other or with final crisis and that's what makes comics simultaneously great and terrible <laughs> i well can say that yeah absolutely so um, before we get to this, we should circle back to Cosmic Odyssey, which was we had covered that before we were even doing this. 
uh, again, Crisis Management series. We just wanted to talk about that book because it's one of my favorite DC comics. And um, Walt, you had never read it before. I had so, not. So what did you think of Cosmic Odyssey, having read it this week? Oh, I thought it was great. Uh, you know, just Mignola art. That, what is it, late 80s? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was late 80s Mignola art when he was uh, still at DC. Obviously, it's very good that he went on to make Hellboy and BPRD and all that stuff. But I, I always love seeing uh, his stuff from that era. He did uh, some, you know, John Byrne Superman stuff, too. Um, and so, you know, just looked great um and you know just just that jim starlin wackiness um but cool at the same time you know just this doesn't really make any sense but it's bitchin yeah yeah i feel like cosmic odyssey does a really good job of having some character moments that feel very real and very earned in the middle of just the most batshit plot you've ever heard Yes, absolutely. And I, I, I saw where Starlin was trying to replicate that in Death of the New Gods, but did so to much less success. Um, so, Vincent, Zach, have you guys read Death of the New Gods before? No. I have. I read it a long time ago, um, around the time that I read Final Crisis. So, like, probably 2009-ish. Um so it's been 10 years since I read it, for sure. Yeah, and I had never read it. Walt, I presume you've read it before? I read it as well, um, probably about the same time as Zach. The, this was one of those things where when I was getting back into comics, there was like a period of like a couple years where I was essentially like playing catch up. You know, I was reading recently finished things mm -hmm. rather than like reading them right as they were coming out. But you know, just with stuff that like usually like wrapped up within like a couple years after I started them. And so this was one of them uh, that I like, you know, I heard that it was, you know, going to, you know, be important to Final Crisis. Um, well, we already touched on that. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to talk about Jim Starlin a little bit here. Jim Starlin is somebody who I think is far more associated with Marvel Comics than DC uh, especially for folks, uh, you know, I am obviously the oldest man on this podcast by considerable margin. And uh, like when I was growing up was like the Starlin era at Marvel, like Infinity Crisis, Infinity uh, Gauntlet, Infinity War, Infinity Crusade. All of those events were just like those were the biggest events in comics for those couple of right. years. And um, so I always think of Starlin as being a Marvel guy. But he's done a fair amount at DC, but it's usually been sort of on the fringes of DC. Like, he did um, some of, like, the Ranthanagar stuff. He did a little bit of, of sort of stuff in the Superbooks. He did the fantastic Batman the Cult miniseries. Well, and, and he had an extensive run on either Batman or Detective Comics. I forget which one. Uh, uh, Batman he was on for about two years and tech, years, he, yeah. yeah, tech he was on not not that long at all. Um, yeah, but like you know, he's he's been a guy who I think he he never had that like extended run on a character where people like if you ask the average comic fan like name some Jim Starlin stuff. I don't think any of this DC stuff necessarily comes up. Maybe Cosmic Odyssey, maybe Batman the Cult, maybe that's it. I Do mean, you guys agree? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd uh, slightly 
push back on that and say, well, Jim Starlin did death in the family. That's true. Okay. Mm. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. See, for some reason, I don't even remember that when that like, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's bad of me, but like the story itself overshadows the creator, I guess. I don't know. No, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. And, and I would say that the covers by Mignola overshadow overshadow everything else because those are some of the best mm, covers yeah. in comics history. Uh, I thought uh, you were going to say another Starlin Mignola combo. Yeah, interesting. I thought you were going to say Walt you, that people say they know him for the art on Countdown to Final Crisis number five. <laughs> uh, no, I I do want to talk about that at some point though. Go for it, baby, and right it, now. Well, but I want to talk about it in relation to this comic as well. So maybe we can start off talking before we get into the story of. Uh, this talk about the art of it yes let's let's do that um what did you guys think of jim starlin the artist because i i again i know he's an artist but i tend to think of him more as a writer than an artist so what did you guys think of the the beautiful art of uh of jim starlin so let me let me start off and bring up my uh bones to pick with you guys on your countdown uh episode just you didn't mention as brian said Countdown number five, the one uh, that he illustrated, which has probably the most bizarrely awful um, computer-generated art on the final page, where it's like this um, space scene of Brother Eye in its satellite form over these planets that look like a fucking PS2 uh, <laughs> cutscene, uh, maybe even PS1. Just looks awful. And... The reason why I think it's important to bring that up is you see some of that in here. Um, there are a few, I, there are quite a bit of uh, computer rendered things, uh, 3D, 3D imaging in particular. Nothing quite as egregious as in there. Uh, this is, you know, this is in the like late aughts or whatever the hell you call them. Um, so this. This being used in comics is still kind of new-ish, and it was like you know, I guess like a new toy to kind of fool around with. Um, and you mainly see, like, I think probably the most common use of it in this comic is you see, I think it's usually when he does the boom tube technology, um, but then it's usually kind of like overlaid with like blur effects and stuff like that. So it really isn't as jarring. There are a couple things, usually, again, showing celestial bodies where it's just kind of like, ugh, that looks ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a bit more of that in this than I would care for, which is a shame because I think on the whole, like, you know, the pencils are good. You know, they're, they're not, like, incredible, but um, it, I think it looks pretty good for the most part when it's not using that kind of heavy computer-assisted 3D imaging um there there are some like wild layouts and designs some of those of course are just rooted in kirbyisms uh but um i you know i think it's a pretty good looking book you know not great but i I liked how it looked when it wasn't using that kind of stuff um i'm i'm gonna wild out a little bit and say that i thought some of that stuff was kind of cool like i think particularly in the the segments with metron i think is when it it wasn't necessarily good 
I, I wouldn't say it was good, but I thought it fit the the vibe of the comic, which to me, the, this is a pretty 90s ass comic to me. Sure. Um, and it it felt that way in those segments. I kind of liked it. And and Brian, you had kind of alluded in, in text chat that this, or maybe it was Vince, uh, alluded to the fact that this just felt really... Um, this this had an older feel to it, and you didn't like it um, because of Vince. that. That was Vince. yeah, that was okay. Um, and I I kind of liked it for that reason. Um, it's just like such an anachronism in in comics to me. Um, but it wasn't unreadable. So I uh, I, I I think I'm gonna end up coming out a little bit more positive on this book than you guys are. Well, you were the, the countdown lover, so that makes sense. I was, but that was only because everyone led me to believe that it was the worst thing ever, and I did not think that it was <laughs> the worst thing ever. Only because yeah, I, better than I had to read all of you said. I did say that. I did say that. Um, no, it's because I had to read every tie into Forever Evil. <laughs> <laughs> we survived Villains Month. Remember that. Yeah, we survived Villains Month. Yeah. Um, That'll be on my tombstone. Yeah. Um, I I felt the same way about the digital art, I think, <laughs> as Walt did. Um, yeah, particularly there's times where he's drawing like weird uh weird like rings and stuff in the bed. It's it's the parts where like uh Metron is 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 smoking weed and seeing yeah. things. <laughs> and it, yeah, things are transforming before his eyes celestially and uh yeah some of that's i bet some of that stuff is 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 good if you are uh you know puffing a little something but uh but to, I mean, to, have to... You, all, you all seen there's like a pretty famous uh starlin page from his captain marvel um i just dropped it in the chat you know there, there's i don't think there's anything in this quite on this level um but <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I wish it were this cool. Oh my god. Yes. Starlin really likes skulls. Yes, yes. He, yes. he loves yes. skulls. He's in, the, he's in the share zone. He's admin. Yeah. That's that's a reference that's like two years too old now. I feel, but I had to do it. Um. Yeah. He loves skulls. That part is cool. Like I I I think his art is cool outside the digital stuff, which I think looks like shit. And I hate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hate when any artist does too much of the digital rendering. I, I even hate it, something that is, is so commonplace, and I understand why it's done, because it's a tool uh, for speed, for the sake of, of timing. But when they are when they put, like, digital signage or digital text mm -hmm. yeah. on, on, like, backgrounds and stuff, I, I absolutely hate that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it sticks out like a sore thumb. I get do it. You, do you like, hate that issue of Batman Inc. that's in the in the digital world? I mean, I don't. I didn't like. It's probably my least favorite issue of Morrison's run, for sure. Well, that's not unreasonable. Um, yeah. Um. So I, I think I'll come down on the side here of I don't like the digital stuff, and I also don't like Starlin's pencils very much. Oh man. Um, I, I I like I like his pencils in theory far more than I do in practice. Like when I when I was getting ready to read this, I was like, all right, here we go. I'm gonna get some weird Starlin shit. And I just feel like a lot of times there wasn't there wasn't as much weird. There was just a lot of lazy pencils in this. There's I I don't know if it's in the first or second issue. It's uh I guess I think it's the first issue because doesn't Big Barda die at the end of the first one? 
I believe so. It's yeah, it's one of the so. first times you see Barda, and it looks like somebody. It looks like she was in a Bugs Bunny cartoon and got her face flattened by like a steamroller. Like she yeah, that just, rocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this like horribly rendered face, and I feel like there's a lot of moments where like I I I don't mind when comic art doesn't look real. That doesn't bother me at all. Like if someone has bendy joints and shit, that's fine. I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is when I feel like. It's just um, Starlin is the king of focusing on the wrong part of the panel for me. Like the, the faces will be really ignored for somebody's like uh, belt buckle being really perfectly <laughs> rendered. I just feel like he he's a very inconsistent artist. Like even within the same panels, um, I can see that. Uh, but I really don't like the digital stuff. Also, we can. So at least we all agree on that. No, well, I guess Zach, Zach likes that. Exactly. I mean, I didn't. I I didn't think it was great, but I, I I'm I have a hard time voicing how I feel about it because it's not. I don't think it's good, but I liked it. If that makes sense. Sure. In, in the <laughs> sure. context of the comic. Uh huh. It 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 was a vibe. And yes. I, and I felt it. The the other thing I wanted to mention again referring to countdown because i remember from his issue that he illustrated this same problem it, it isn't as much of a thing in this one uh but from the brief appearance of the newsboy legion starlin is one of those artists who draws like kids as small men <laughs> yes yes absolutely yes every yes. one of those kids has an ulcer or a hernia or some sort of like disease or problem that comes about in middle age every one of them yes uh -huh. absolutely yeah. Yeah. Um, I like I like that he draws Orion as just the beefiest beefcake. Oh yeah. Ever. Yeah. He's that a JoJo's cool. character. I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love the sequence kind of toward the end of the book where he is on his um, little astro rig thing and flying towards the reader and just <laughs> keeps getting bigger and bigger yeah. and he's just this chunk. Bigger than this before. Just, so yeah. Good. Bigger than yeah. before. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, his Orion is good. Yeah. Um. So shall we get into this? Yeah. Okay. So spoiler alert: the new gods are dying, and uh, the first one that we see on page is um. Well, I guess we 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 get the reference of Light Ray being dead, which right. happens in Countdown. Um, right. Question about that while we're on this topic. It says here that he keeps saying infinity when he dies. In uh, countdown, continuity error. In countdown, isn't he saying fifty-two in countdown? No, no. What no, is he saying? He says, no. In countdown, he actually says, "I'm pretty sure he doesn't say infinity. He repeats infinite over and oh, that's over." Oh, that's what it is. Okay, okay, yes, infinite. Okay, but um, but we see the black racer. And Jimmy Olsen sweet talks his way into looking at a body, as one does, and is like, "Whoa, there's a hole in this guy's chest." And um, it's a uh, it's a weird scene. And when this started, I was like, "Oh, I get it. Jimmy Olsen, he's a major like Kirby character. We're gonna be getting a lot of Kirby characters outside of the New Gods." And essentially, this happens for one scene, and then aside from Superman, we see nobody else again. That's Pretty like a, much, it's like, like, like a classically Kirby-associated character. Um, it's, it's really weird considering 
the role that Jimmy plays in Countdown, um, which gets disregarded here. Yes. Uh, completely. Oh, yeah. Not mentioned at all. Well, I, I think there's a thing, I think, in the seventh or eighth issue where Darkseid is like, you'll never guess where I put the souls. And I, yeah, I guess yeah. you could read that as. But um, I, I saw a quote from uh, Starlin that basically him kind of complaining about countdown stepping on his story and him having to adjust the ending a little bit. Um, so I, I, I don't think he had the best experience with this book is my impression. I, I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt he had a good time. with it. <laughs> the, uh, the one note I wanted to say here, which I just found bizarre, partly because of the time period the book was produced and partly because I don't know Star. I mean, look, Starlin could be a communist for all I know, but I find it very odd that in the uh, hospital hallways, multiple times we see posters that say "support single payer insurance," which yeah, is something that would never something that would never happen in a hospital <laughs> ever, <laughs> let alone uh, in two thousand eight or whatever this was. So it's interesting. Um, see that. So yes, yeah, so and then we get Jimmy. Get Jimmy with the Newsboys Legion, and that leads to nothing. And the news little men. <laughs> uh and then we get to the digital galore of metron's uh you know like space palace here where it's just lots and lots of digital stuff flaming and, globes of sigmund yes um all throughout this this uh issue specifically this one uh, Metron has Mr. Bean eyes, where he's just like <laughs> his eyes are constantly bugging out, like he's taking in all of his surroundings all the time. Um, that gets a little bit less as the issues go on, but in this issue, he is like full on Mr. Bean. Well, yeah, uh, on, on, at the beginning, he's off on that loud, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they show his smoking pipe and everything. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, so then we get uh, a little bit of Barda and Mr. Miracle, and they're gonna fight. They're gonna fight Crooks, kind of as a foreplay, I guess, or just as a fun contest. That's and... absolutely a, a Dan and Laurie from Watchmen thing. The, yes, this is. book is Watchmen and its identity crisis, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, probably we'll we'll probably get to other. Uh, other um, ingredients in this big stew as we go on. Yeah, but so they're supposed to be having, a after they fight the bad guys, they're supposed to be having the Kents over for dinner. And um, we'll get to that in, in just a minute here. But this begins what happens a couple of times throughout the series where we just get long periods of dark side narration where he's basically filling in the readers on things that they maybe should know if they're reading a comic called Death of the New Gods, but in case they don't, he wants to fill you in on them. Um, we get a little bit of time here on New Genesis. This is after Highfather died, which I had forgotten that he wasn't brought back before this. He when did he die? Didn't he die in Genesis? I don't remember. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things that happen in this book that are referenced as like things that have happened before and that you should know about. And I don't I have no idea when they happened. And this is one of them. I think he died during Genesis. Okay. When did uh dark side get stuck in the 
Oh, was that Genesis 2? Yeah, stuck in the wet. I'm sorry, you broke up for a second. Yeah, when Darkseid got stuck in the source wall. I believe that, that was Genesis, yes. I th okay, I thought so. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it, do it does look like he died back in Genesis. I thought that would maybe have been uh, from the Walt Simonson Orion, because I'm pretty sure there are a few references to that. And Well, that crossed over with Genesis a lot. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, that they ran at the same time. Yeah. That it's very weird when you try to put fourth wall fourth world rather fourth world books like in DC continuity. You're like, oh wait, that was happening at the same time as this because if it, it just feels so disconnected often. Right. Um but anyways, so then we get Spe we speaking of uh real, real quick before we move on, speaking of Genesis, um there was a, a quote um that I saw from Starlin. Uh, he said, um Looking back, I'd say at least half of the past New Gods series have done more harm than good. Uh, so for me, Death of the New Gods is half honoring Jeff, Jack Kirby, half mercy killing. Don't you think that's just a savage John Byrne? Um, yep. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that rules because John Byrne is a huge pervert. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. So we get this sequence where... High Father through a hologram is narrating like the history of New Genesis essentially, and right. um, this... there's a there's a lot of quoting of uh, both directly and indirectly of like the beginning of uh, the fourth world Kirby stuff like the whole thing about like you know oh there came a day when the old gods died that that is I believe the first. Uh, sentence from New Gods number one or whatever. Yes, I believe so. And the image that it shows there is like, you know, just pretty much copying that page. This whole section is the most Kirby ripoff visually of the entire um, series, which is not meant as a complaint, really. I think in this in this role of sort of catching readers up, it makes sense to do this. But there's like Kirby dots everywhere. And... Um, Specifically, like when when High Father hits the wall and it says the source in fire, like that's almost oh yeah, that's like High, High Father just hit the wall. <laughs> Did he ever have it all? <laughs> oh, Zach, never change, buddy. It's, it's the rum. <laughs> um. So anyway, we're we're back on on New Genesis now, and we're starting to see. Some of the characters that will become important here, we see Tachyon, who, lest we forget, had his own series for a while in the late 90s. Um, who could forget? Who could forget? And we see Hyman, or Hymond. How, how are we going to pronounce this? <laughs> not, not Hyman. Just like that. Just like that. The whole rest of the show, for sure. Hymon? Hymon? <laughs> you know, this kind of sounds like a, like a bad uh, you know, uh, Caribbean joke. From uh, White yeah. Guy right in this. There's no good way no. to say this. H-Man. Yeah. I like Hi Hymon. It's Hymon. I was thinking like Simon. So Hymon, Simon. But <laughs> yeah, I get Hymon, why. Hymon is something. <laughs> I know. I know. So Hymon. Okay. Hymon. What was that, Vince? I said, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Eat shit. Hi Hymon is a Digimon, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so... We see Hymon, and he's he's showing up to help out. He says that uh, yeah, everything's been been 
very on edge with dark side security so he's here just just to help out and um so then we see the first new god dead on new genesis and uh this is the beginning of orion just being like a hulking mess the entire time i don't think he ever isn't looking like he's just put down like a giant weight um or he's about to come like every every face is just like the most strained face in the universe oh yeah it's great yeah i have no problem with that um and then you know we're starting to see the other denizens of apocalypse saying that dark side is is turning his back on his people because he's just focused on sort of his survival and dark side and metron are talking and Metron is trying to get Darkseid to sort of fess up about what he knows. Darkseid won't do it. And uh, the, the issue ends with Barda and Scott at home getting ready for dinner with the Kents. And uh, Barda is killed and Scott is very, very angry and upset, obviously. Um, and this is the first time that we learn, at least I wasn't aware that up until this point, that Scott Free had the anti-life equation. I don't know I, when that happened. Yeah, I don't either. I'm not certain. Um, I think I used to know and have since forgotten. Um, the question I want to know is, do you think Lois knows about the time uh, that Barda <laughs> and Clark made a porno? <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure Scott does. I, I read those not too long ago, and I think that he's like, you know, he's part of that story. But <laughs> but it was before that, before uh, Clark and Lois were together. I'm trying I, to remember what what that was, what book that was in. It was in John Byrne's. Uh, once again, Byrne. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> in his Superman. Okay. Yeah. Let's be honest, though. Like, if you're scot free, you're. You're letting yourself be cucked by Superman, right? Like, what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> he's he's got to escape while it's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I want to draw particular attention just to the cover of Death of the New Gods too, because Orion looks like the fucking Hulk on this cover. He is the biggest <laughs> character in the history of comics. It rocks. It's great. Yeah. Um, Every panel, he's bigger than the one before. <laughs> By the end of the book, all you see is Orion. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together, we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinbro, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. So basically, you know, on New Genesis, they're noticing that all these gods are going missing, and they begin to suspect uh, Orion has a hard on for Darkseid the whole time. It just will not hear otherwise that it is not Darkseid that is killing everybody. Uh, other people think it's maybe the uh, the Forever People, 
And um, my biggest problem with because this... they hate hippies. Yes, they, they just <laughs> despise them. My my biggest problem with Orion in this book is not the like visuals of Orion, but I think that Orion, when written well, is not just screamy angry all the time. And the first like half of this event, he's just screamy angry all the time. That eventually gets a little bit better, but. It's, it's uh, funny because uh, it's funny because that yeah he writes them like that but then there there's literally like a half a dozen times when somebody like reasons with him and then he goes oh I guess yeah <laughs> yeah um, I don't know just, I feel he I, seems I feel like a big dumbo I feel that's fairly consistent with Orion's characterization um, like like really the most like thoughtful I'm used to seeing. Orion was like in like the new 52, his role in uh, Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's, I think that's fairly consistent with how he was before then. Um, granted, I have not read again The Simmons and Orion, which I hear is very good. Yeah. I want to say that's hard to find, or at least it was hard to find for a while. They recently I reprinted think... it. I okay. Think. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to start flying through this a little bit because we took a lot of time with the first issue, but I wanted to sort of you know set everything up a little bit here sure sure um you know as i think it was vince said before or zach said before um this becomes an identity crisis at a certain point um somebody actually says this is like sue dibney all over again (laughs) yeah yeah black canary yeah and says so in front of scott which seems (laughs) really insensitive (laughs) um uh, and this issue the second issue begins a really good a really nice thing of just showing Scott under the weight of the anti-life equation. I, I think it's a it's a good idea that is executed well to not just have him snap, but to show him like you know go along this path of grief and all that. Um, yeah, agreed. I, I think that was done very well and effectively. Yeah, my favorite bit of this though, and I have to get the exact uh, page here because I'm gonna get the wording down. But um, as they're investigating everything. They're coming up with plans to bring Barda back to New Genesis, and um, by the way, the, the, uh, Starlin reuses the same panel of Scott just looking like Willem Dafoe over and over again, just sitting there like wringing his wrists. Um, but so they're getting everything set to bring her back, and Scott says to Clark, "One final task, and we may be away to New Genesis." What's that? Isn't it obvious? My wife is dead. Circus colors not appropriate for the moment. Dark hues fit these times more fit these times. And then I don't. I think it's kind of cool that he changes his costume. But it, it, he says, "Isn't it obvious?" Like everyone's sitting around, like garish colors, man. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. It's just. It's a very weird thing to to call obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was very funny. Uh, Here's a question. Sure. So, I think. I think we've discussed before, like on the times that I've been on, or um, maybe maybe I'm just lonely and I'm projecting like conversations you've had, and I've been like, oh, I was there too. Um, <laughs> like the kind of we like to like, think that our listeners are here with us. <laughs> you know, there, there's you know, it's a common criticism of like the kind of macabre nature of when you had these like costumed funerals. Um, and such in like superhero comics mm-hmm. where, you know, just everyone's just standing around a grave and they're like, you know, brightly colored costume. 
Would it make it better or worse if every time that happened, they like did like a color change like Scott does? So like everyone's wearing like muted versions of their costumes to the funeral. That would rock. <laughs> if everybody had that. like the funeral variants they pulled out. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Yes. And then you could buy the, the funeral variant in the Injustice games. and <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um. I like this idea until the Injustice games came into I, it. That's why I, I was posting cringe on purpose there. Uh, <laughs> um, so here is where also I think one of the problems of the book starts to arise, which is that Superman becomes essentially the main character of the book from here going forward. Yeah, yeah, I think that. I, I mean, hmm. I'd still think I'd say throughout the whole thing, Scott is the main character. He's not necessarily the POV character. Like if this was written in text, like, yeah, Superman would have become at this kind of point the what we would identify as the POV character. But I think Scott's the main character that we're and we're not really seeing things from Scott's perspective. I think sure. Super, Superman is kind of becoming like our viewpoint as the reader. Sure. My mm-hmm. problem with that, though, is that he is like the least relatable character in comics history because he is literally uh, a god. And I know it was a story about gods, but I just feel like it's a very strange. I, I think the story wow. suffers. What? Brian, Brian, Brian with the anti Superman, just a good guy. Like, no, I, oh man, when what, what Batman I mean, though, right? He's very relatable. No, what what I mean is that if you're gonna have a POV <laughs> the, character, the dang Joker. <laughs> if you're gonna have a POV character, you want one that like that shares your point of view. No, I I, I get what you're saying, and if anything, that this would make sense to as as you referenced before at the beginning. This would have been a good role for Jimmy to be in. Yes. Absolutely. 100%. Um, Although many points in this series just feature Superman, like getting knocked over the head and losing consciousness to wake up and say, what's going on here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So at the end of the second issue, we see that there's a second source wall, which is amazing. Um, (laughs) Just, just real death star two vibes. And um, it's it has all of the like Slade new gods. It has their representations on the wall, and uh, yeah, that's where issue two wraps up. Um, we see more of these characters start to die. We see Tachyon destroyed. Um, we see Scott's costume start to start to like become more like Starboy from the uh, Legion of Superheroes costume as it yeah. goes on um it's also a lot like the nebula man yes well it's also the thing that it made me think of and especially towards the end you know get getting ahead of ourselves a little bit but uh, it it reminds me a lot of like the infinity etc stuff that starlin did uh at marvel with all these like characters that were um like embodiments of like metaphysical concepts and you just kind of like draw them. It really looks like it would fit exactly in there, which makes sense since, you know, Thanos was basically a ripoff of dark side and, you know, this is the same guy. It makes sense that that kind of design would fit in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and then we see Hyman is decided. I can't say that name without laughing. Uh, Hyman is uh, basically decided he's going to be leading New Genesis now because all of the because Tachyon is gone, and uh, yeah. So they go to try and find the Forever People because they believe that they are the uh, that they are the killers, and they find them all dead. And Scott is like, I'm going to use the anti-life equation to bring them back. And Orion is horrified by this. And rightly so, because they basically just become talking skulls, which, as we've established, Starlin loves skulls. And it even makes them like the background for the like uh, for a few pages. Yes. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Which With is like that... a freaking like Windows 98 tiled wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> um. But this is where we get sort of a story about about the anti-life equation, and we start to see some little bits from Cosmic Odyssey pop in here with the anti-life um, avatar. Um, we also get a mention of the bleed for the first time here, which I don't know. Is that the same bleed that Morrison would mention? And was in um, Countdown. Yeah. And, well, doesn't it originate in... Uh... Wildstorm, yeah, yes. like the the authority, uh, right. Stormwatch, the authority. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering, like, is it used in the same way here as using Countdown? I can't remember how it was using Countdown. Yeah, I mean, it's all the same thing. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's the the membrane between universes, right? The space between. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Leave it to the Virginia boy to sing some Dave Matthews. <laughs> Uh, so, um, we also find out that the, the powers that were gifted to the killer came from the distant past. Uh, Darkseid starts talking to Desaad about this thing called Project Soulfire, which I wrote down sounds like a college reggae jam band name, uh, if I've ever heard one. And, with um, Hymon. With Hymon, yes. <laughs> Hymon was the opening act for Project Soulfire. Um, and then, um, we see, uh, metron travel to the distant past and i thought we were gonna get there was a second there where i was like holy shit this is gonna connect to final crisis because we see this like caveman that is said to be hundreds of years out of time hundreds of thousands of years and i was like is that bruce wayne is that a is that a hint of bruce wayne being sent back in time at the end of final crisis but no it's not it turns out it's it's uh nothing to do with that at all well Well, see and i even thought like maybe it was anthro from... Right, right. There's, mm-hmm. there's that mm-hmm. uh, bit in like the first few pages of Final Crisis with the, you know, I give you knowledge and yeah. stuff, Metron. Yeah, but that's Which, super again, dope I... Metron design. Yes, absolutely. Um, again, kind of like thinking back to you know things we said about Countdown. Morrison had already delivered the fir- the script for the first issue of final crisis when countdown was happening and so hypothetically starlin would have had access to that, to that as well and it, it is very it's a weird coincidence how similar the sequence feels to the that opening to final crisis yeah yeah but, but then we see metron encounter this orb this floating orb that we find out is the source which throughout this whole book we're talking about how there's the new gods have a connection to the source, and specifically Tachyon is like their connection to the source, and his connection has been lost, and nobody nobody can feel the source anymore. 
and and he's in the he's in the past. He being the source is like in the distant past. Now this sequence really sort of nailed a thing I've been feeling the whole issue, which I think that the coloring on this on this comic is really bad for the art. I think that coloring is the thing that ages a comic the most. And I think that this coloring is just too crisp and precise for for Starlin's artwork. I would have liked to have seen a less digitally colored book. Um, do you guys agree with that or or no? Absolutely. And I didn't think it was that. No, I didn't think it was that bad. I, I thought there were some pages that there there were some places where it looked better than others. Sure, sure. Yeah. Vince but I, I, I've what? seen much worse, mm-hmm. you know, I, it, it, this just felt like it, it looked like a lot of comics from that time. You know? but, and I think a lot of the comics from that time look like shit because they're coloring, but that's a whole other story, I guess. Fair. Um, Vince, do you want to say more about that or no? Uh, not really. Other than like, yeah, I do. I do think that was, uh, I think you're, I agree with you so much when you say that, like the coloring dates, uh, we've talked about in some of the nineties events, how, there's a lot of the art that we liked a lot, but the coloring kind of spoiled some of it back then. And I kind of feel that way about mid two thousands comics too. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think I think coloring technique has gotten a lot better in in, in recent years with like the the modern uh, tools and techniques that we, we use. But um, yeah, I think I think what you say is true. I agree with I agree with you on that. So then we get our third like major narration character here coming from the source who is giving a history of, of basically the universe. And there's an explanation for why there was an era of the old gods and like why that came to an end. And I just felt like that was taking the explanation a step that nobody like nobody needed to know that. I felt like some of this narration just was over explaining stuff instead of getting to the point of the book. Um, we start to see some stuff with, with crisis tie-ins too. We see a crisis on infinite earth scene. We see a, um, they call it the infinity crisis. They call it the infinity crisis. Yes. Which is weird. Um, and then we got the, uh, there's a Genesis scene as well. Um, and then we find out that the souls that of the souls of the new gods are being held for essentially the, um, they're going to be like the raw material to make the filth, the fifth world. And it, at this point, I started to see uh, some more, some kind of similarities to 52 in Scott's mental state really breaking down the way that Ralph Dibney's did in that, which again is kind of an identity crisis thing. But just like at, at this point, Scott is just really consumed by his grief and this is right before he sort of turns evil whereas not evil he he turns just he turns away from from what he should be doing um whether he's possessed by anti-life or whatever it is and ralph never gets to that point but i think that the despair between the two characters is pretty similar if this had really tied into countdown scott free would have lived and he would have joined the the um Crap! What are they called? What's the team at the end? The Challengers. The challengers. It's not the challengers. <laughs> it is it. Is it the Challengers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Challengers yeah. Of the unknown. Yeah. So the unknown. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been on there with uh, Ray Palmer, and they would have. 
commiserate. Done whatever they did. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Breaking news, which will be almost a week and a half old by the time that yeah. uh, this comes out. And I, I am not breaking embargo because this is going out <laughs> after. Uh, new monthly Joker series by James Tynion the Fourth and Guillaume March. Okay, that's good, actually. Ah, Zach, you simp. Uh, Sam Jones. I'm the Tynion March simp. Yeah, and then uh, Sam Jones, Tynion, and Mirka. Sorry, sorry, Sam Sam Jones. Jones. Uh, Sam Jones is a documentary filmmaker. Tynion and Mirka Andolfo are doing the story of Punchline in the backups. Wonderful. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm in for that. More more Punchline. You you know I want that, baby. (laughs) All right, uh, let's let's move on here. I'm sorry, I had I had to break into the show with some with some late breaking news here. Only Tanya could make me more excited for for more Joker comics. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, where are my notes? Okay, um, so we see at this point Scott is just cracking up from the pressure of of everything. And he thinks Orion is going to be is is the murderer, and Orion goes off to this like distant uh, moon of New Genesis to basically call out whoever the killer is in combat because like we're all he's, he's making a call out post. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The tea has been spilled. <laughs> uh, yes, the tea has been spilled. Um and uh this is where we we start to see the end game of the series begin to come together. We see that uh I mean Hymon's been acting suspicious for a couple of issues now, but we see that you know he he is the one that has been that has been the murderer and uh then like start of the next the, issue the, the, it's the like big... what, sorry go ahead. I was going to say that the the big clue that I I missed when I was reading it, um, but it's that you know Hyman's there when you see the uh, second source wall, but he doesn't mention that when he like tells what happened with him and uh, Tachyon. He never uh-huh. mentions the second, so that's like kind of supposed to be the thing that gives it away that at the very least he he's up to something, right? Um, right. And they they mention that, um, but. I missed it because I was only half paying attention. <laughs> but Psych, it's uh, it's actually the Infinity Man, which we had been Superman kind of deduced that earlier in the series, um, and it is the it is the Infinity Man. He is the one who's been killing everybody. He has been the sort of the representative of the Source, and Scott is the representative of Anti Life. So it's Life versus Anti Life. We see for at least the fifth time I can recall the source wall destroyed in battle. Um and Darkseid drinks that um project uh soul fire liquid and becomes basically like a big red dark side. He basically takes his takes Alex Jones supplements and uh <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he becomes at the end of this issue. Um I had written in my notes. It's like the stuff that Gossamer drinks in Looney Tunes. Yes. <laughs> now you're now you're speaking my language. I, that was just for you, buddy. <laughs> That's just for you. Um, and so you know, it, it continues with there's basically the 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 source 
and the um and the anti-life equation they basically kill both of their hosts in scott and infinity man and they combine together and they fight dark side and superman's watching and superman keeps talking about how helpless he is in this situation he's like oh i'm so useless i'm just the most useless boy and just keeps start saying how he can't do anything about this and he goes so far as to say like now i know how oliver queen feels <laughs> like it's, a, it's just like a straight shot at green arrow for no reason just that loser yes yeah. he can hang out with us exactly <laughs> um my favorite bit of dialogue and i'm i'm gonna need you guys to pause here for a second comes with something that the dark side says in this issue um he's talking about um like why why this plan has failed and he says he he basically says me an intellectual but he says me an individualist <laughs> which is just really very funny to me um yeah he's i'm not gonna look it up that's what he says um it's basically saying how how he's he's a free thinker and that's why this isn't gonna work because he's not gonna fall into the deep state bullshit um uh-huh. And uh, so Superman at one point flies through Darkseid and he like breaks him off at the waist exactly like how the not totally unfrozen Mr. Burns snaps in half at Lisa Simpson's <laughs> wedding. <laughs> like it's 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 perfect. It's great. Um, but then uh, to save the day, of course, comes Orion's soul. I don't know. This is this is where it all starts to really fall apart for me. Oh, I thought I thought that shit ruled. Really? Tell me why. I, I love. I, it's just nonsense, but in a good way. Like it's, you know, when you read Starlin, you're 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 there for the like, you know, he's been smeeching that vicious, blunt, <laughs> uh, kind of stuff. It's just nuts, and it makes no sense, but it's great. Um, I I I just think like you know it's it, these. And I think that's why he chose, you know, Superman. I mean, he's a, in fact, he's very heavy handed about it, as he said, like the whole, like, you know, even Superman who Brian thinks, you know, you can't relate to because he's like <laughs> a God and a very good guy. Um, but compared to, you know, the new gods that are like, there's always something weird when you have kind of like Thor or whatever, when you have these like mythological gods and they're, they're really just like kind of like acting more just like larger than life people. Now, granted that is kind of like how like old mythology is, but Starlin kind of does stuff in a way, again, kind of echoing his Marvel work where these characters are kind of just supposed to be a sort of like embodiment of bigger ideas and bigger concepts that we otherwise you know can't uh it's a way that like you know okay superman you know he can see and he can understand like a dude punching another dude um that's you know his life um but instead every now and then like you know things like kind of operate on a level that just kind of make no sense uh because we're talking about gods here um new gods in fact um and you know that's kind of starlin's bread and butter um from like especially like the later uh of of his stuff at marvel um and you know i just think it's i don't think it's like the greatest stuff in the world but i think it's fun and you know if i'm going to be reading a 
Starlin New Gods comic. This is kind of what I want to see. I, I don't disagree with that. I just felt it wasn't very well done. But fair enough. I guess. Zach and Vince, what do you guys think? That is, yeah, that is what I want to see from Starlin, but I feel like, and I, I've only read some of it, but I feel like a lot, a lot of this stuff, like, he just did it better when he was younger at Marvel. and Or in Cosmic Odyssey. Or in Cosmic Odyssey, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's basically where I fall on this. Yeah, I mean, I I actually thought that this was mostly fine. It's kind of a fever dream, but also a little bit more boring than a fever dream. It's it's like a <laughs> moderately dull fever dream. Um, low, low grade fever dream. Yeah, it was a low grade fever dream. <laughs> um, oh, that's weird. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't hate this, but I definitely didn't love it. It wasn't the most offensive thing that I've ever read. I actually generally liked most of the art. I mean, it wasn't... I, I, I mostly just liked seeing the kind of classic New God designs. That was That's really the last time that we saw like those very Kirby-centric uh, versions of the New God characters that are very... Um, you know, flamboyant and, and just brightly colored. Some of them look like, you know, Renaissance men and others look like, you know, cosmic futuristic space astronauts. And it's just very wacky. Um, it did feel very much like a tribute to Kirby um, visually, but I think uh, from like a plot standpoint, it was a little um, flippant. It played fast and loose a little bit, I think. Um, but again, stuff like like Walt was saying, the the Orion soul <laughs> resurrection to fight Darkseid, I thought that was pretty fantastic. And really, the, the big thing that comes out of this, I think that is worth talking about, is that this was all done to usher in the fifth world, which supposedly that was what final crisis was going to do and then it it just never happened which i think is really wacky that countdown also did that like countdown and this both talked a lot about okay this is the end of the fourth world the fifth world is going to happen but then that just that just never happened it's super weird <laughs> um i feel like the fifth world concept is how can i say this um I feel like the fourth world was such an inventive idea and it was so uniquely Kirby and it could only have been done by him at that time. There, there's so many just interesting, weird flourishes to it. I think if you try to make that into... If you try and make a fifth world, you need to have a creator who can be as, as unique and as stylized as Kirby was to usher it in. Otherwise... It's just going to feel like a shitty fourth world. And well, I think that's maybe that, why it hasn't happened. Well, the thing with well, fifth world Well, but don't you is... think that Morrison, with like a creator that he likes to work with, could have done that? Yeah, probably. And, and well, if, I, if I remember correctly, you, yeah, that, that's where the uh, fifth world term has its roots. Not, not in 
Final Crisis, but earlier in uh, Justice League, uh, JLA, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure um, that's where Morrison coined the idea um, that the fifth world is kind of paradox paradoxically. I forget how you say that. Paradoxically. Um, um, implied to be like kind of the race of like superheroes because in like obviously new gods in terms of publication come later than you know your batman your superman and all that but you know in the fiction of it they they predate it and so um it's a sort of like retroactive continuity of like the new gods are kind of what then gave birth to the superheroes um so I don't even really remember where we were going with this to begin with. Just, just how a fifth world never really materialized, right? But I think I think that I think that the kind of the point is that the, at least in the Morrison sense, the fifth world has already kind of materialized. It's at least coming into birth. Ah, uh, the the fifth world is at hand, or is yes. it within you? Depends <laughs> on the translation. Um. As a now, Starlin and certainly Countdown. I don't think that's what they're going for, and I don't think they know. Okay, I don't think Countdown knew what they were going for. Starlin probably had an idea, but like you know, at the same time, he's hampered by, well, this isn't. I'm not supposed to be the one telling that story here, right? Which is I, which is I think really the main flaw of the book is it just kind of, it just kind of ends. Um, I, I guess we'll get to that a little bit later, but. Yeah. Um, Starlin is kind of vague about this fifth world stuff because he's not the one who's telling that story. But at the same time, you would think that that's key to death of the new gods. Right. So it does it, that in that sense, it does kind of have a sort of disjointed nature. Yeah. Uh, There's a couple more things here. So basically, Superman gets trapped between um apocalypse and new genesis because he's trying to search for survivors which is my favorite superman beat in the whole book actually um and then he is he's basically crushed in between them he's told that he has no serious brain damage which i thought was kind of funny um and then this is the time when the um apocalypse and new genesis are merged together into one world i'm pretty sure that which happens. rules yeah I'm pretty sure that cool. ha- didn't that happen before also I, I think that was a part of... Wasn't that a part of Genesis 2? I think it or? was. I, I think this is the second time that they've been merged together. I or think maybe. Think, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. didn't read Genesis. I, I don't remember. Yeah. I did read Genesis, and I don't remember. <laughs> uh, I feel like I feel like it was... It was... That did happen once before. Because at first, I was like, oh, this is a really cool idea. I'm like, wait a minute. I've seen this idea before. Um so, but that's that's sort of where things leave off. That you know, Darkseid is probably dead at the end of this. Maybe. Well, no. He, he, does he run away? No. He runs away, right? Yeah, he runs. I'm sorry. He goes to do countdown. Yes, he goes to do. He goes to do countdown. Orion is probably dead, though. His soul has probably gone back to wherever it was. Um, Orion is kind of like the biggest thing that doesn't really line up with Final Crisis because. He just kind of disappears in this. Um, but Final Crisis, you know, his body is found, like, and, and you know, he's been, like, shot. 
you know, with, with the gun, if I remember correctly, you know, it, it turns out to be the, with the gun that Batman eventually suit, shoots dark side with, mm-hmm. um, there's probably a million other things, but that's kind of like the most, I remember that being the most glaring thing when I was, when I first read this years and years ago, and then I read final crisis afterwards, I was like, wait, what? You know, that doesn't seem to line up at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah and if, if I remember yeah. Morrison talked a little bit about this in an interview somewhere, he, he talked about how like, obviously like he, he doesn't care at all about countdown or death of right. new gods, but him being the gentleman that he is, he, he made up, you know, some nonsense about, um, the, Final Crisis, Countdown, and and Death and the New Gods being um, mere mortals' attempts at uh, depicting <laughs> cosmic events that yeah, we, we yeah. can't possibly uh, imagine or or visualize, which is go off. It really, Continue. as you said, absolute. You know, just very polite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, it's also wild to think about, though, like while Darkseid is doing all this stuff, he's actually uh, already dead and fallen through time and living as a, a large black man in uh, Bloodhaven, maybe? I can't remember. I believe so. And chilling in Mary Marvel's apartment at the same time, too. At somehow. the same <laughs> yeah. time, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so final thoughts, stuff of the new gods. Walt, you're our guest. You can just go first. I mean, I, I liked it well enough up until the end where it just kind of was like, eh, and, you know, stuff happened and maybe you can read about it later. Um, I, I didn't think it was great or anything. I think it would be an interesting thing to read uh, after, like, you know, as it kind of serves as like the end of a era of new gods because there is definitely like a feel of as someone who is like i'm somewhat knowledgeable i've read like a a chunk of the kirby stuff not probably less than half but but not nothing um i think it would be interesting to kind of see like this feels like starlin trying to get in the last word um there are a few things in there that even though i don't know specifically what they're referring to um you get the vibe of this is Starlin trying to say like, okay, this is good. This story is good. Usually my stories are good. Uh, This story is bullshit. Like, you know, we, we talk about cosmic odyssey, you know, there's the whole bit about like, Oh, we thought that the thing wasn't anti-life. The, the, uh, what's the term that that they use for that entity? Yeah, anti- I think they just call it like that anti-life entity. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, they refer to it we, in the Wikipedia page for Cosmic Odyssey as the ALA, which just makes <laughs> me laugh for some reason. The ALA. Um, there, there's like a line about, oh, we we thought it wasn't actually uh, anti-life, but now, you know, I'm not so sure. I think Darkseid says something like that, which is clearly like, even though I don't know what story that's referring to, I've read enough comics to be able to like tell like, this is Starlin kind of thumbing his nose at someone else who retconned yes. him and him retconning it back. Yes. <laughs> you know, he's like, no, you know, it, it was anti-life all along. You dunce, you imbecile. <laughs> um, so I, th- I think it would be, I think it would be like interesting to revisit like as like a sort of um, being more familiar with the fourth world and seeing that kind of being able to tell what 
stuff Starlin's basically giving his seal of approval and what stuff he is not and seeing, you know, how I agree and disagree with that. As a story on its own, it's not very good. Um, I'll, I'll concede that. Um, I think it's a probably like a solid five. It's it's just very, I wouldn't say unremarkable because there are, you know, things to say about it, obviously, or we wouldn't have talked so long about it. Um, but the positives and the negatives do kind of outweigh each other and just kind of like leave you with this thing that's just like, ah, eh, it's a thing that happened, um, kind of. It, it isn't really consequential in any way. Um, so if you are reading it, for example, for a podcast where you're reading all the important events of the DC universe, perhaps it doesn't really have any place in there. But at the same time, you know, just as a comic, there isn't really much reason to read it just as a comic. It's just kind of there. And yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's perfectly situated for people who were getting back into comics in the late 2000s and really wanted to get as much uh, tangential uh, information to Morrison Comics as they could. <laughs> that's what it, That's what it's for. Yeah, pretty much. So for me and Zach in 2008-2009. Vince? Um, I guess like just in the interest of not repeating something that somebody else said, because you guys uh, you guys said so much good stuff about this, I, I just want to talk about two specific things. Uh, one, just like kind of expanding on what I said earlier about Starlin doing this sort of thing better over at Marvel. It, it does remind me of... You know, I said in our in our in Lad's chat about how this is just old school in a way that I I do not appreciate. It, it reminds me of when like um, Marv Wolfman revisit get, when DC lets Marv Wolfman revisit one of his Teen Titans characters, right? And in like a mini like Raven or whatever, you know. Daughter Once of every like three. <laughs> What's that? Is it Raven, Daughter of Darkness? Daughter of Darkness, yes. Okay. It, Walt, Walt, what did you say? I was just saying, like, how, yeah, he gets one of those books, like, once every three years. Yeah, exactly. They just let him do that, <laughs> well, you know. It's but funny, because I imagine that's what, like, those Infinity OGNs that oh, yeah. Marvel let Starlin come back to do. Yes. I imagine it's just like this. <laughs> yes, absolutely, 100%. absolutely. And this this is just like that, except... Oh, we're DC, so we have to have you use Darkseid instead of... Sorry, we don't have Thanos, um... So here's dark side, you know, um, it just seems like, like not only is it old school, but like, even if this were done, you know, 20 years earlier, it wouldn't be as good. You know, it's not, it's even outside the context of the time it, or even, even inside the context of that time, it wouldn't be as strong, you know? So I don't want to make it sound like, oh, I just don't like this, but it would have been totally cool in the eighties or whatever, you know? Um, cause I don't think that that's true either. Um, sure. I just think, I just think that he spent, you know, whatever, whatever great ideas, whatever great cosmic ideas he had, he spent already, you know, and, um, and, and can't really manifest that stuff anymore at this point. Um, uh, and then the other thing I wanted to say is we, we were talking about, um, how this doesn't line up with, with, uh, final crisis the way that it should, or, or all these other events that are going on. And, and I would like to say that DC is better at that, but then we've got death metal going on right now, which has the exact same problem across 
uh, two or three different sort of lines of books. So I think like <laughs> that's just comics, baby. Yeah. Like literally, we have the exact same. Like no one knows when the Superman stuff is supposed to, t- or any of Bendis's stuff, you know, is supposed to take place. The books are constantly somewhat contradicting one another. It's just we'll never learn. <laughs> well, speaking we, of we death, never learn. Uh, speaking <laughs> of death metal, <laughs> classic Shonen Jump manga. Classic. <laughs> Brian's favorite. Yep, I had to read one of those once because this reviewer dropped out. <laughs> John Byrne's favorite manga. <laughs> uh, speaking of death metal, though, next week we are back with our penultimate this month in death metal, looking back on death metal six and the issues that came out between five and six. So stay there for that. Walt, thank you so much for coming on the show, buddy. You're welcome. I have something quickly I want to mention because the. We passed the point where I could mention it. Sure. Um, it's that there was all that talk about the soul fire formula um, and all that. And so it had this feeling of like, was this something that was discussed before and like a previous story that Sarlon was going to? And so I just wanted you to know that when I like looked that up, all I found was apparently this is like a thing that gets referenced every now and then by like the sickos who uh, do like power level battles online. Like soul <laughs> Soulfire Dark Side is like a thing that people like. Could Soulfire Dark Side beat, you know, Surter or <laughs> Super uh, Saiyan Celestials? Goku? Or, yeah. Oh, um, just thought you should know. That, oh, thank you. Thank you. That's really, thank you. Zach loves that stuff. Oh, I do. Zach I love it so much. Absolutely loves that stuff. It's my favorite thing. It's my absolute favorite thing. Based on the comic, I've derived a mathematical equation for the power gained from the soul. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yes, in my veins. Just put it in there. Yeah. Well, Walt is the co-host, as we said, of Multiverse New Manga Club with Zach. You can find him every other Friday. Uh, first and third Friday, I believe, right? Roughly. Roughly, it yeah. Based on the month. Yeah, first and third Friday of the month of, over at multiversitycomics.com. Uh, you want to give out your Twitter? Sure, it's at at goodbye to a shoe. Um, I come and go from there. So depending on the month or whatever, I may be uh, on Twitter leave. I may not. It's a gamble. Perhaps by the time this episode goes live, (laughs) I will be gone again. No, we have fun over there. Um, If you need to find two thirds of us, we are also on Twitter. I am at Brian needs an app. And I am at Wilker Fox. I just caught up on One Piece. If you want to talk to me about it, (laughs) go off. If you need to find Vince, he has left Farmers Only, and he is only now posting on the John Byrne (laughs) forums. So (laughs) go over there to find him. They're still active. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. Find find him on Parlor. No! Uh, Posting the John Byrne fan club group. Hey, we feet guys got to stick together. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Goodbye, everybody. Stephanie Brown, she ain't a rock. I shouldn't have said that.